Welcome into Props and Hops, a podcast pursuing the best in betting and beer. I'm your host, Matt Landis, here today with a spontaneous podcast, going to peel back the curtain and reveal my full betting portfolio for the first round of tomorrow's NFL draft. We can consider this an encore presentation of sorts to the plug-and-play NFL draft betting series that's been going on for these past couple weeks in these parts. And as I had the idea to do this podcast today, it took me back to my original idea to start Props and Hops in the summer of 2020, when my mission was to really set out to filter out the noise in pursuit of the best in betting and beer. And as we saw yesterday with the Reddit speculation on Will Levis going first overall, the noise can really reach a fever pitch when we're talking betting markets, such as the NFL draft. So I'm here to hopefully provide value when it comes to how to best hone in on the signal instead of all that noise. The process for me in doing this has really been on leaning on people worth trusting over the years. This is my 13th year as a better, and I'll transparently say I'm a lifetime winner. Now, this hasn't been life-changing money, but it has consistently been positive most years. And I say that because I've never built a model, but I've found that there are a lot of really sharp people in this space who are quite generous with their time and insight if we'll just listen and pay attention as needed. When we've got people like that who are so generous, there's no need for any of us to individually reinvent the wheel. So I'll try to shine a light over the course of this conversation and in many to come on people who are really the best of the best in my book. And another way that I found success doing this without creating a model, leaning not only on sharp people, but also on sharp sports books. Usually that'll be books that take bigger bets. I can often look at those as a source of truth. And I think back to reading The Logic of Sports Betting, which I would recommend to any better at any level who hasn't read that book yet. In that book, they were actually quoting the movie Rounders, but one of the mantras as it applied to betting was to spot the sucker. And especially in the NFL draft with different books hanging different numbers, no odd screen for books to copy one another so easily like they can do with NFL full game point spreads and totals. I don't set out for the draft necessarily looking for a specific bet a lot of the time. I'm just shopping lines and looking for a plus EV bet. So from sharp people to sharp sports books, I've said it a few times. I really want to hammer home that I'm not inventing anything from scratch here. Instead, I look at it as curation as being my primary form of creation. So getting on with the show, I've got 25 bets in pocket so far. And my plan isn't just to rattle them off in rapid fire succession, but instead to share just a little bit of context on what, or more importantly, in some cases, who got me inspired to go ahead and pull the trigger on these bets. Now, in many cases, the odds I'm going to quote are no longer available. So the goal of the context I'm sharing here is to make this as forward-looking as possible, putting people and content worth trusting on your radar so that you can benefit from their insight as well moving forward. And in some cases, frankly, it's a good thing that some of these odds are no longer available because you might not want them. I'll be transparent as much as I possibly can be, not going to hide from any bets that have moved against me and are likely going to lose as names are called in the first round tomorrow night. Hopefully we've got more winners than losers in pocket. So let's get this show on the road. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll be looking off camera a bit, checking my other monitor to make sure I'm accurately quoting the bets in the portfolio thus far. And I'll go mostly in order of how I expect these bets to be graded chronologically, although I am going to group some players and positions together for efficiency's sake. So diving in here right off the top, first bet in pocket, Bryce Young to go number one overall. Got that at plus 225. And of course, that's a great number to be sitting on right now with Young as the prohibitive favorite. So 
in no way mean to brag or pass post here. I just want to note that the process for me wasn't knowing anything about the caliber of Young as a player or any inside information. But again, to that point of shopping around, when I found this number, I had seen the consensus at a lot of other sports books in the range of minus 105 to a slight plus money. It was basically a coin flip. So that plus 225 stood out like a sore thumb. Again, spotting the sucker wasn't looking to bet young specifically, but if you're looking for a plus EV bet, there's nothing like plus 225 on what the rest of the market's basically telling you is a coin flip. And especially now feels pretty good to have Bryce young first overall in pocket. So we'll sit tight on that one. And I also have a bet on the second overall pick will Levis to go number two overall This one, much bigger odds, 20 to 1. Big hat tip to Suma on forward progress when he mentioned this a couple weeks ago. We've got still a slightly more likely than not chance that this bet isn't going to hit home based on current odds, but it is shortened substantially. And I think anytime that you can get 20 to 1 on something that's very live on the eve of the draft, you've put yourself in a good spot. So not to take any credit for myself on those odds, big hat tip once again to Suma. Sticking with Will Levis, I've also got him in pocket to go under six and a half. So Levis to go within the first six picks of the first round tomorrow. Took that laying some VIG minus 270, but that VIG got much higher in a hurry, if not pulled off the board or Levis reposted at a slot much lower than six and a half. So even though minus 270 was the price, I think there's big plus EV on this ticket. This one, hat tip to the whale capper, Drew Dinsick. I don't know if he made it super official, but he definitely implied pretty firmly that he liked this look on the fifth-year option podcast as part of the Deep Dive podcast feed. Nothing specific in pocket on three overall, but I do have a bet on Anthony Richardson over three and a half. That one also a similar price to the Levis under six and a half. I'm looking at Richardson over three and a half laying minus 260. So again, some big involved, but based on the true likelihood, feeling really good about it. Right now, Richardson's line pretty much across the board over four and a half. And even if you want that over four and a half, you're probably going to have to lay a good bit more than minus 260. This one, hat tip to Hitman from Props and Hops last week. He mentioned that at Bet365, he wasn't able to do business with them anymore. But he said anybody who could get down there, go ahead and knock yourself out on Richardson over three and a half because it should have been over four and a half. And even the VIG on three and a half was less than the VIG at four and a half. So all kinds of value here for those who can stomach the upfront risk. And when Hitman gave me this tip, I've also got to give a nod to Spanky here. Spanky, one of my favorite quotes he's mentioned over the years is, either you're going to deal with me or you're going to deal with me when it comes to books limiting betters or maybe adopting some shady practices. And I think Hitman's done the same thing here. While he himself couldn't go bet at Bet365 when they were hanging a pretty rogue number on Richardson over three and a half, he was kind enough to share it with me and listeners of this show. So feels good to have that one in pocket. Hopefully not too many shenanigans with a team trading with the Cardinals to get up to number three to take Anthony Richardson. Basically any other scenario, and that one's looking pretty good. Next bet we'll touch on Tyree Wilson, first defensive player drafted, plus 180. This one going to go back to the fifth-year option with another hat tip to Luke, a.k.a. Vegas Refund. He mentioned when this was still widely available in the range of plus 170 to plus 180 that it was all kinds of bettable. Even though the best of the number had sailed, those earlier on in the process could have gotten Wilson, first defensive player drafted, at a much bigger plus number. But I can't complain now having him at plus 180 when the consensus line is closer to minus 180 on the eve of the draft. So fingers crossed, Tyree Wilson, 
going to be the first defensive player to hear his name called by Roger Goodell tomorrow night in Kansas City. Sticking with defense, next bet, Devin Witherspoon, first cornerback to be drafted at minus 175. This one, going back to forward progress with a hat tip, Hitman gave this out as his best bet on their show a couple weeks ago and had a really good rationale you can catch on that show. Another Devin Witherspoon bet, I was able to find Witherspoon to be drafted before Christian Gonzalez at minus 140. So I like that even more than Witherspoon to be the first corner off the board. This one, I'm getting a binary bet, laying less big, attacking basically the same concept because it's essentially a two-player race between Witherspoon and Gonzalez to be the first cornerback selected. I think my big takeaway here, when I placed this bet, I was laying minus 140 on Witherspoon to go before Gonzalez. A much sharper offshore had the same bet lined at minus 210. So partly shopping around, finding some value just in terms of the price. And also knowing that after Witherspoon seemed to be the first cornerback to go, some of the other markets involving a similar concept were slow to adjust, such as Witherspoon head-to-head against Gonzalez. So that's something that even though you can't find Witherspoon head-to-head to go before Gonzalez at minus 140 anymore, this concept comes into play almost every year in the draft. There's going to be some sort of steam and you can catch a head-to-head market or something downstream like this to take advantage, even if the best of the number and the most obvious market has already started to move. One more bet sticking with cornerback, the position of the Raiders' first pick to be a corner, plus 175, found this one courtesy of Ed Fang and his Power Rank newsletter. And if you're not subscribed to that already, I'd highly recommend it. It's a weekly, very digestible email newsletter that goes out every Saturday morning. And Ed gave a good breakdown. We're basically looking at the odds. Again, we're basically thinking Witherspoon and Gonzalez are the top of the cornerback market. If you just looked at their odds individually and added up the cumulative break-even percentages, you got to about 50-50. And at plus 175, if you're getting those odds on roughly a coin flip, you've got a big cushion. I know the Raiders are want to go off the reservation and draft somebody without a first round grade in the top 10. There's talk of them possibly trading this pick. So then maybe they wouldn't draft a corner should they end up picking first from a slot other than seven. Accepting that that may well happen, this bet could very well lose. I think if it's about a coin flip and the market has come down, it is closer to even money right now. Raiders first pick to be a cornerback, just piecing together other bets. And again, expanding the attack surface, looking at something like this to get in play. If the prices for the Raiders to draft a guy like Gonzalez or Witherspoon were remotely efficient, then the price of the Raiders first pick to be a cornerback for a good bit remains quite inefficient. All right, we'll keep the run on defensive type of bets going here for a bit before a heavy pivot back to offense. Jalen Carter to be the eighth overall pick. I found that at plus 850. This one, Trusting my guy, G-Stack George, who was on yesterday's episode of Props and Hops, mentioned liking this at 8-1 to one or better, and you can catch his rationale for this bet on yesterday's episode of this very podcast. Next bet, Paris Johnson under 9.5, laying some VIG, minus 275, but Hitman shared on Twitter today that he's been big on this and thinks that Paris Johnson will continue to steam, and if you're going to look for him under 9.5, you're probably not going to have much time to get him at favorable odds moving forward, so... If you're listening to this and this bet is no longer accessible to you, just a friendly reminder, following sharp bettors like Hitman on Twitter and checking in when you can. I know some pro bettors will watch their Twitter feeds like a hawk when we're approaching draft day. And if you've got a day job, other life obligations, that's totally cool. But catching glimpses into Hitman's timeline from time to time was really a good nudge to go ahead and get in play on Paris Johnson under nine and a half. And similarly, because limits were pretty small on the Paris Johnson bet I was able to make under nine and a half, 
I kind of doubled down and went with Paris Johnson to be the first offensive lineman to get drafted tomorrow night. That one, similar price point, a little less big, minus 240. But the consensus price when I made this bet was for Johnson to be the first offensive lineman drafted in the range of minus 300 to minus 325. So again, a little bit of line value, just shopping around, finding minus 240 when the consensus price should be minus 300, if not higher. And also small limits in a lot of these draft betting markets from book to book. So if Paris Johnson under nine and a half wasn't enough to fully wet my beak, then a similar play, not an exact overlap, but plenty of correlation looking for a bit more exposure on Johnson first offensive lineman to be drafted. Next up, going back to the well with G-Stack George and his appearance on the show yesterday, JSN. He is the president of the Jackson Smith and Jigba fan club. I have JSN under 12 and a half at plus 250. And I was even able to find a JSN under 13 and a half at plus 110. George quoted 12 and a half at plus 250. That was more widely available when we had our conversation. I split the ticket between 12 and a half and 13 and a half because with the Packers trading up with the Jets swapping 15 for 13, it would be really ironic in a sense if this is the year the Packers finally take a receiver in the first round after they just got rid of Aaron Rodgers. But it does seem like if JSN doesn't go in the top 12, he could be somewhat live at 13. So going with some exposure there, once again, thanks to G-Stack George. And a couple more bets involving JSN. I took him, actually my first bet of this whole cycle, back on March 23rd, JSN, first wide receiver to be drafted, kind of like the Bryce Young bet. I didn't do this because I was looking to bet JSN. I don't know if I'm going to join George on the executive membership of the JSN fan club anytime soon, unless he goes to my Chargers, somehow slides to 21 and can make a big impact. But for the purposes of our bets, we'll hope he goes sooner. And one of the reasons I took him as the first receiver off the board was because of the price point, minus 125. Everywhere else, the price point was minus 200 to minus 250. So again, just a case of shopping around, not doing any hard work myself, just exploring what's out there and trying to spot the sucker. Similarly, JSN to be the first wide receiver drafted and Michael Mayer to be the first tight end drafted. So a bit weird. I I bet without a binary outcome, this was just a one-way market at one of my offshores and it's a parlay. So parlays, one-way markets, things I rarely dabble in, but the price point here, plus 225 on JSN to be the first receiver and Mayer to be the first tight end. Basically at plus 225, did some basic math, the break-even probability, 31%. And then I looked at one of the sharper offshores when I was making this bet, the individual bets, JSN to be the first receiver, Mayer to be the first tight end, add up those cumulative break-even probabilities, you get to 43%. That's not building in the VIG, so the true probability, somewhere probably in the mid to high 30% range. Again, this is more likely than not to lose, but if you've got something in the range of 35 to po- excuse me, 35 to 40% to cash and your break-even probability getting plus 225, you only needed to hit 31% of the time, then in the long run, you're probably going to be in good shape. Sticking at wide receiver here, Jordan Addison, first wide receiver to be drafted. I took this at plus 650, not in lump, not in love with it. It was a small flyer, and that's because when I had Hitman on this show last week, He spoke to anybody but JSN being his idea of how to attack the first wide receiver to be drafted market. Part of this might be my USC fandom as an alumnus. So not going to really recommend this to anybody, but I did take a small flyer on Addison to go first at the position. Sticking with Addison, I also took him to go under 23 and a half at plus 120. 
part of this is probably because in the back of my mind, I've heard Addison linked to my chargers quite a bit at 21. And there's a chance he goes a bit before then, but really from a betting perspective, I saw plus 120. And at the same time, a couple of sharper offshores that I trust a bit more than the book where I placed this bet. Addison had a no big line of even money or plus 105 at that 23 and a half slot. So if I figure a no big price of, you know, even money or a shade less, and I can get plus 120, then might as well take that. And if it's a bit of a coin flip, again, catching plus 120. And the long run, I expect it to work out just fine, even if in this case, it doesn't come to fruition. One more bet at a specific wide receiver. I was going to say one more bet at the wide receiver position, but there will be another one coming up in a bit. But one more specific wide receiver to hone in on. Zay Flowers, under 22 and a half. And I just posted this shortly before recording. Sounded at plus 140. And it's a bit of a small flyer, but again, a trusted offshore that I look to had the no vig line at plus 130. So if I factor in the vig and this should be plus 130 and I've got somebody slow to adjust on all the Zay Flowers steam that's piled up recently, still hanging plus 140. Just took a crack at that. Uh, could totally win or lose. Probably a little bit less likely than not to come through, but at plus 140, figured it was worth it considering the expected value. One more bet in the cornerback market involving a specific player, Joey Porter Jr., under 16 and a half. Yeah, this is probably the worst one we're going to talk about, so I won't belabor the point, but I'm not going to hide from it either. I did make this bet a couple weeks ago. I did get plus 140. When I made the bet, the no big line that I was seeing at the only other book to have an offering was plus 125, and I'd heard a convincing handicap on Porter to go in the top 16. So I figured based on a handicap, based on the fact that a no big line was maybe properly priced at the time at plus 125 getting plus 140 felt great now seeing porter lined in the range of 19 and a half with some heavy vig to the over fully expect this to lose but it is part of the portfolio so i'm gonna be straight with you on that next up a bet that i'm feeling much more confident in laid some vig but probably not enough vig to be fair offensive lineman drafted in the first round over five and a half laid minus 200 there I saw a no vig line at a really sharp market making offshore at minus 215. So again, if if a no vig price at a sharp book is minus 215, I'm only laying minus 200. The math checks out and this one has steamed up in a big way. So I feel really good about offensive linemen over five and a half. If anything, a lot of people I trust and a whale keppers kind of said six is his floor. Seven might even be more likely than five. Again, nothing's a given, but feeling quite confident in this to justify the vig couple more first round totals for positions. Quarterbacks drafted in the first round over four and a half. I got plus 140 on it a couple weeks ago. That seemed in a big way to the point that now it's a pretty prohibitive favorite. And I feel like it's more of a toss up. I would not recommend betting it now if you're going to lay too much VIG. And I feel like if it's about a toss up, I feel good to have gotten plus 140. Uh, I, again, wouldn't lay anything too substantial on it now. Hat tip to Ed Fang of the power rank he posted this on his site i also heard a consensus lean from hitman and suma if i recall correctly from forward progress a couple of weeks ago and it basically hinged on hendon hooker because if we can safely assume that bryce young will levis cj stroud and anthony richardson are going in the first round that gets us to four one more guy to get us over four and a half most likely would be hendon hooker and a lot of sharp minds have seemed to think that he's going to go in the first round a lot of betters i trust don't really buy it. So again, this one's pretty coin flippy, but plus 140 on a coin toss. I'll take that every time. Next up, wide receivers drafted in the first round under four and a half. 
Glad to finally see an under here for a bet like this fading a position because it's easy to bet overs at positions where you like a lot of guys. Or in the case of betting a specific player's draft position, drafting him to the under would be the more bullish outlook, thinking he'll go sooner. And it's easy to get really optimistic with certain draft prospects or certain position groups. But at the end of the day, there's only a finite amount of picks in the first round. This year, even fewer picks, just 31. We'll touch on that in a sense in just a moment. But with this wide receiver class, I feel like it's pretty flat. And we're probably going to see four go in the first round. I know right now the line seems to be three and a half juice to the over at a lot of shops. But at the time I took this a couple weeks ago, wide receivers under four and a half was available minus 350 again steep price i totally get it but i don't think it was steep enough because a couple other market making books that i look to in these types of markets had their no vig lines set to minus 460 to minus 475 so minus 350 actually felt like a bit of a discount for wide receivers in the first round under four and a half now following up on that notion of there being 31 picks in this year's first round Two bets that pretty much go together, offensive players in the first round over 16 and a half and defensive players in the first round under 14 and a half. Basically figuring once we get to the latter half, really the, the last few picks of the first round, it seems like a lot of names being thrown out are various offensive positions. Kind of makes sense as this is just becoming more and more of an offense driven league. I've heard Drew Dinsick give a good breakdown for this kind of bet. I think Steve Fezzik on the Even Money podcast also made the case on this week's episode with Ross Tucker. So I ended up getting down a little before that even money episode dropped. And before it seemed too far, offensive players over 16 and a half, my price is minus 183. And the market maker that I trust was at minus 225 from a no VIG standpoint on this bet. So if it's minus 225 as more or less a source of truth, and I can find minus 183, going to take that every day of the week. Similar with defensive players under 14 and a half, laid minus 170 but the Novig price at my source of truth was a touch north of minus 200. Last bet in pocket as of now, ACC players drafted in the first round over three and a half at minus 150. This one, again, not because I've done my homework on the ACC. I can't name three to four ACC players off the top of my head who I expect to go in the first round tomorrow night. But I do know that when I made this bet, I saw minus 150 and my two top sources of truth for this market no big lines price at minus 183 and minus 167. So there was just a little bit of wiggle room there. Took a small flyer on it. If it doesn't cash, I'll totally be prepared to live with it. But from a pure value standpoint, just figured that might be worth getting in play. Feel pretty mixed about it now, but we'll let the chips fall where they may. All right, so there you have it. 25 bets in the portfolio so far as we're about 24 hours until the draft kicks off. Maybe a couple more bets to come, but otherwise, this is the complete picture at this moment. So I'll wrap this up shortly, leave you with two key takeaways for draft betting cycles moving forward. Number one, be patient. This reminds me of Andy Molitor's comments on props and hops back in our March episode coming out of the NFL Combine. I made my first bet in this cycle on March 23rd, my second bet not until April 6th. This has been a really slow developing market, and... I feel like there's no need to force the issue just because of a slow developing market. I, I try to preach it and I try to practice what I preach as well. Our number one edge is betters is the ability to pick our spots. So if we're not getting a lot of spots that are attractive enough to pick, that's okay. We can, we can sit and just wait. And once the market heats up as it has in, in a pretty substantial way over the past week plus, then we can really start to get in play. But patience, definitely a virtue. 
and a market as slow to develop as this year's NFL draft. Takeaway number two, and this applies to tomorrow night as well as draft cycles moving forward, expect the unexpected. I touched on this yesterday with G-Stack George, but with Houston at number two and Arizona at number three, we've got all kinds of uncertainty at the top of this year's draft. Raiders slotted at seven for now, and they're known to use top 10 picks on guys without first round grades. The Patriots picking in the middle of the first round have a history of using picks in that range on prospects with third round grades. A lot of trades are probably going to happen, but there are some trades that we might think make all the sense in the world right now that even if the logic checks out, any individual trade quite unlikely to happen. And then there are some trades we have no way of foreseeing at this stage that almost inevitably will come to fruition. So it's easy at this point to kind of connect the dots and see certain fits for specific players going to specific teams at specific slots in the draft. But there are going to be some trades in all likelihood. And some of these slots that seem like such a nice marriage in our heads won't all apply. So it's important, again, to expect the unexpected. Have fun with this, but please wager within your means. And once all hell breaks loose tomorrow night, go ahead and embrace the chaos. All right, that's going to be a wrap on the Plug and Play NFL Draft Betting Series. Thank you to Ron Marmolevsky, Hitman, and G-Stack George for headlining the series over these past few weeks. And thank you to everyone else as well, whose guidance helped to shape the draft portfolio we just walked through. Most of all, to all of you watching or listening to this conversation, thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate the time. I'll be back next week with an interview with a first-time guest right here on Props and Hops. Last but not least, happy birthday to Mrs. Props and Hops. It's time for me to get this show in the books and go celebrate with her before a massive focus on draft day tomorrow. So one last time before the Panthers are on the clock in Kansas City, Thanks again for tuning in, and best of luck with your bets on this year's NFL Draft. Ups and ups and